Welcome everyone to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Okay, there'll be time for more hugs later. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 505, Rewind, is brought to you by Rusty Helicopter Rentals. God bless his cold black soul. Pete, here we are wrapping up our Punisher podcast. Here we are in the last couple episodes. Punisher. Of of (laughs) Runaways. But back, most importantly, back, most importantly, Pete, to the mothership. And last week's episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we were not blown away by. I feel like we were about to dive on into an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast where things are back to form and the universe is right with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at its center, even in an episode that barely features most of our beloved characters. This show is eminently watchable when it is set on the planet Earth in non-claustrophobic, darkly lit sets. Well, I continue to contend that... uh, Pete, they've been saving the money. They've been saving the money for things just like uh, like this episode with some twists, yes. some turns. Shall some we... F- SFX. SFX, indeed. Shall we dive on into this episode? Let's do it. When we catch you up on Went, went Down, Matt, our teaser begins here in the diner. All that time ago, you, you consider now that that scene initially aired six months ago half a year okay but Fitz is not hungry we concentrate on him in this iteration of the diner scene uh Coulson uh says that they've not been uh you know together out in a long time the waitress asks if anybody is in the mood for some pie and uh what do you know? Those uh, agents in the Bendiri beer truck show up. Colson congratulates them on the whole power outage thing. Very ominous. And then like that, they're gone. Fitz is left behind. Replaced then by blue lights, Matt. Um, and agents who want to know where the other six are. Indeed. A, a military operation going on here. I'm not quite sure of the legality of such a thing, but Pete, that's why we're in the Prime Universe and they're in the uh, they're in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, we go to the title card. It's the title card in space, which I have some mixed feelings about. We're back on Earth. You could have you could have given us an Earth one just this once, but whatevs. Uh, we have Pete, who I took to calling tie guy and uh the younger lady female officer because darn it pete we have women in uniform we have a name on the younger female officer i did not catch one on the male evans is the female officer and that's why i watch with the caption subtitles because we got that we also got a name for the uh slightly older uh blonde female officer well so we have ty guy we have evans who is the boss that would be hail hail i thought you were going to say mona uh but (laughs) that's okay um regardless we have ty guy and evans questioning where everyone else went fitz doesn't know we know fitz doesn't know 
uh, it is quickly evident that uh, the footage of this was uh, was skipped somehow and uh, fits now in uh, presumably military prison later on. The answer is yes. Um, he wonders who's in charge. Indeed, if all of this is a mind game, Pete, we're back to some of that shall I call it pre-theorization that we got back in the first episode of this season where I think the show very clearly wants to tell you, hey, that theory that this is all a mind game, no, we're going to bring it up so we can discount it. Pete, I hope that doesn't blow up anybody's loving YouTube video that they made about Fitz's, this is all Fitz's mind game, and now they're going to be angry. Hashtag The Last Jedi. But Pete, who's in charge? (laughs) Well, uh, it would seem that Hale... Uh, the older uh, military woman is in charge above Evans and Ty Guy here. They walk uh, Fitz through the, uh, the Ben Deary English ale truck appearance. Um, he explains to them, there was no beam me up Scotty. Be uh, great if somebody had a, a podcast for uh, Star Trek Discovery, Matt, where they could talk. Uh, all the theories there. Um, but a, he does... we do. B, Pete, you're telling me that the <laughs> Scottish guy made a Scotty joke? That just yeah. dropped now. That was like an hour and a half ago that happened. Wow. Yes. Um, he does have a theory here that uh, this would seem to be aliens. Uh, and I like that this is all after uh, after a lengthy time that that the theory has been developed uh, and we see time going by fits in an orange jumpsuit, the prison cell he's awoken, questioned. Um, he truly doesn't know where everyone is. And uh, ultimately the decision that, uh, that they let Fitz's brain work for them. Um, he, his only uh, outside source of information watching football or Pete as people outside these United States would say football. Um, <laughs> And uh, he, Pete, he's getting the exercise in. Do those crunches. Do those push-ups. He makes Fitz monkeys on the wall, Pete. Mm-hmm. Pete, do you remember back at New York Comic Con? Age of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> season one. That guy that asked about the Fitz monkey. Asked him about it. Because that was me. Yes. And great callback to make the little uh, symbols for the days. Fitz monkeys. Wonderfully, wonderfully done. Great he callback He gets his exercise in. Thank you so much, Michelle. You're welcome. He gets his TV to watch soccer there. He wants to, he tells Evans, place an ad in a soccer zine. And we immediately know it's some form of communication. What's going on here? Finally, Matt, with his grand theory that they have been abducted by aliens, the rest of the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, Hale says that's it, uh, and she gets a phone call. Um, what? He's here. How? And in strides, of course, Fitz's lawyer, who is uh, Lance Hunter, played, of course, by Nick Blood, who we have missed so much in the – one and a half ish seasons since they went out. He and Adrian Palicki, presumably to uh, stardom on their own pilot, which of course did not get picked up. And now she's in space, but not in the year 2091. Uh, she's a little further than that on the Orville. We get the act break with Hunter's return. Afterwards, uh, 
there's there's rage between the two fraternal guys. Uh, why didn't uh, Hunter check those zines sooner? Why has it taken six months? Hunter explains he was in Bangladesh. There's a brief flare-up about Liverpool v. Man U, but then Pete, they hug, they hug like men. <laughs> they do hug like men, and this show is at its best with the banter between these two actors. And clearly this was something of a wish list scenario. How do we get Nick blood back? How do we get him in the room with, uh, Ian DeKister? Uh, indeed. And intercut with all of this, uh, we have Hunter checking his watch kind of look like they're trying to line up a target on a thing and he has Fitz move out of the way. The wall blows up. There's their exit. No need for some sort of lengthy bring it in piece by piece uh, plan that Fitz was in the middle of uh, of, uh, of coming up with. And in one of the funniest moments ever in S.H.I.E.L.D., oh, Rusty is bringing the chopper. And then we see Rusty come up over the building that's at the, the, the horizon level. And then it quickly crashes behind it. R.I.P. Rusty. R.I.P. That was really dark for <laughs> this show in particular. This guy was flying a helicopter to rescue them. Fitz, or Fitz, um, Hunter has uh, gotten the best his money can buy, which is a recurring joke throughout this episode. And the guy either loses control or is somehow dragged down by some nefarious military tech we're unaware of. Am I the only one that thinks rusty was somehow a supporting player on the now abandoned and uh extraordinarily hard to get a copy of marvel's most wanted pilot i certainly love it as a theory um i i will confess i i didn't even uh i mean i know there was a partial cast list or something out there at the time um i'm looking up quickly now um, no Rusty on the list, but maybe Rusty was somebody who they were going to flesh out once the show got to series tier. Um, easy come, easy go. Yeah. Uh, but it's there that they move to the RV left behind by Rusty. They're going to make use of that and head off, of course, being chased by the military. And uh, that uh, RV, it coughs up smoke. C, yuck, yuck, it even has cloaking. Pete, that's foreshadowing for later on when they're in another <laughs> another RV, if you will, recreational vehicle of a slightly larger size, which has its own cloaking. Uh, we step back with the, uh, the military for a moment. The confirmation that the only communication Fitz had out were these fanzine letters. Um, clearly, they're looking to decode those. Interestingly, I kind of feel like that does not get touched on again. Like, okay, he no. decoded stuff. Okay. Um, it's a red herring, but they have yes. the surveillance of the van where we catch up with Hunter and Fitz um, talking about the framework and uh, Hunter saying that uh, with Ada, he was looking to put his floppy in the hard drive. Wow. We also see, as Fitz uh, gets caught up with some news of the last six months, uh, he's swiping there on the phone. There's a uh, there's an article, Shield to be Defunded and Dissolved. 
So let's stick a uh, stick a pin in that for if and when our agents of you know Shield make it back to a place where there's now no Shield again. Um, there's also some catch me up from Hunter. He's been doing uh, Merc work lately. He's not quite the Merc with the mouth, but hey. And things with Bobby continue to be great. Line here, 100% compatible, 50% of the time. They almost got married, Pete, before ninjas. Yeah. Uh, but chasing the beer truck here, he likes this plan. Turns out Rusty was paranoid as balls, Matt. He was a conspiracy theorist. So turns out back of the RV, you know, behind the margarita machine and the ferret cages, you're going to find something of use. And Fitz digs out a device there. Um and the truck arrives. Slight hand of the writer with dearly departed Rusty has everything they need to do the next thing in the plot, but they also had the bravery to not deliver us any Rusty at all, so I'm okay with that. Uh, they hack on into the system of, uh, of cameras. Fitz watches the footage while Hunter sips on some margs. Uh, the surveillance indeed go dark for two minutes but they do uh they do have iterations of the truck that they're able to follow in and, a two uh, mile radius the cameras go dark so of course leading to the bigger conspiracy yes um i'm glad they did they did the csi-esque visual of wait truck one truck two truck three this computer can create wireframes of them and bring them together match 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 same truck okay gotta do what you gotta do and um fitz feels that's when they have them now pete that's when we cut to the about to be named home of let me get it in before they name him mr baldy yes he's checking out his fridge there hunter has the drop on him but he's been expecting them um, they've got him and he rattles off the number here, two, zero, nine, one. That's an earth year, Matt, not, you know, an alien year or anything else. Um, but he's got the, uh, alien languages on the wall there. They go to his computer where a video of the monolith swallowing up the rest of our agents is available. Um, turns out he was sent to earth. 30,000 years uh, different to observe. His name is Enoch. Think of him as an anthropologist. And this was done. He sent the agents forward to fulfill a prophecy. First of all, Pete, you call him Dr. Enoch Dahl. Um, <laughs> bottom line is, uh, as you mentioned, he was sent to fulfill a prophecy. Much revelation given to this prophecy Let's keep an eye on that. I don't know how hand of the writery it's going to be, but there's the prophecy which has its own rules. They, the agents, were ne needed in the future, and uh, Fitz wasn't taken because he wasn't part of the prophecy. And uh, with that, Fitz, the darker Fitz, Pete, grabs a gun, take us to the spot of the thing where the stuff happened to end the act. This stone, too, that took them, we get the information that it can only be activated by the other end. But there is a seer out there that can uh, tell us what's what. As we begin Act 3 already, Matt, 
um, we're told at the park that uh, Enoch will try to help. You didn't need to threaten me. So we immediately undo the tension that we went into the to the act break with. Um, and there is a woman sitting on a bench. Meanwhile, the agents who are pursuing uh, Fitz and Hunter break into Enoch's home. They find the alien language as well. Uh, it's Polly on the bench uh, who knows uh, Fitz and uh, Fitz knows her. This is Polly Hinton, um, who uh, is the mother of Robin, uh, Robin with the little bird there. This was the child of an inhuman back in season four who uh, can predict the future by touching people. How mind-blowing is it that like the beginning of the Polly Robin scene, which was later completed in season four, but it was at the end of season three, which then introduced that time had gone by. And now, oh man, the mysterious director of shield, you know, is, is going to be upset and so on and so forth. Like that was just part of, part of the Polly story point being is the very end of season three, but most of that portion of the story and the mysteries and whatnot were only last season and i will admit pete i was struggling initially to be like wait it's the girl with the bird are they going to show the bird and credit to the show in a little bit they give us all this backstory just to remind us but my goodness three four pods later it is a tad difficult to keep track it is it is and you know but at the same time people who have watched this show through nearly 100 episodes and this rich backstory that that exists. So to make this callback and to have an opportunity to bring in a character like this, we had seen the pictures on the fridge before drawn by a child. And now to have those be the prophecies is a pretty interesting way to go. It, uh, it certainly is. And here she is drawing those pictures. Uh, it's hammered home by our military end of the story. The magic crystal ball is real. It's a child. And um, back to the park we go. Uh, there's a little bit more catch me up. You know, mom saying that uh, Robin has been active lately. But then the military shows up and uh, really good use of camera blocking here. Enoch has them put in earplugs and then kind of the camera then, uh, it might be there's a cut there, but the, the camera suddenly is moving towards the military people who are looking mm-hmm. at the thing behind the camera, which is we can infer the uh you, you know our heroes and then uh, mid-sentence the camera turns around and they're all gone really easy way to do it but pete this time the military has lost 30 minutes yeah half hour having gone by here suddenly fitz and hunter at all are in the rv here they've lost them but not for long enoch is going to take them to the place where but not when they left Pete, I would now like to read a couple of sentences from my notes because you can capture, or it captures in real time, the penny dropping. Uh, Indeed, he's taking them where, not when. It's Lake Ontario. Uh, There's a lighthouse there. What's under the lighthouse? It's unknown. Who built it? Unknown. They get into an elevator. It's the same as the light. Then I did dash, (laughs) dash, dash, house. And I was like, oh, it's the lighthouse. That's why they named it. 
not just the characters, the show needed to give an evocative name of the thing, even though we don't fully understand the lighthouse nature of it. It has this really weird name to get us to this moment where you go, oh, lighthouse. So in a season where they might be you know, trying to save a buck here and a buck there, the writing shining through to really make stuff come together. Back with our military investigators here, um, they are trying to identify who the girl is. They're using facial facial recognition scans. They want to predict and forewarn. They want to use this child to gain secrets here. They're going to find her and control her. Indeed, they are, which is creepy and also perhaps left unresolved for right now i i mean we'll get to the end of the episode when we do i think there's either some rough edges or some some threads for the future but pete in what i call lighthouse 2017 or lighthouse 1.0 the statement is made that they will be safe there uh and robin can only share what she wants to that's saying hey audience no rules just right she shares what she wants to share get used to it uh, and then that's when Enoch, uh, Pete, I didn't hear him use the phrase, the prime directive as sent out by Starfleet. <laughs> but I think that's what he meant, where yeah. there, there's this policy of non-interference. some the sort protocol. Of, yeah, some sort of general order one. Uh, but there's a loophole, Pete. What is it? That, of course, would be finding out what happened. Uh, they're allowed to, of course because this is the policy of preventing an extinction level event or also known as an ELE in the trade. So what happened, Matt? Of course, that is, like he likes to say, Enoch does, unknown. Shades of Shakespeare in love. How does it all end? It's a mystery. Act four, Matt, and Fitz goes through his phone, his pictures of Simmons here, Meanwhile, Hunter is watching Polly and Robin across the room. We get the necessary recap exposition that her father, Polly's uh, husband, and Robin's father was an inhuman. Uh, Hunter asks if they're still calling what they gain gifts. Yeah, a little, uh, a little shade thrown, a little, little water on the fire there, but... Uh, Fitz pondering that perhaps the universe does not want Fitz Simmons. Maybe they should be kept apart. After all, Dark Fitz has learned to kill. Maybe that's why he was left behind, but he's reminded it's the kids' visions that did it. So a little opportunity for him to feel a little less bad for himself. With that, Pete, Fitz delivers some food to Polly and Robin, and uh, it's time for them to just all, all sit in a circle, have some scrambies, and understand the sitch. Yeah, um, and the idea being, too, that uh, Fitz explains he's concerned, obviously, about his effect on Simmons with what happened in the framework coming from him, not programming. Um, but uh, they know he's not a cold-blooded killer, that uh, he feels he was left behind because he was too much of a risk. Um, but obviously being kept off the guest list as it were is a real concern um so asking robin why 
this happened. Polly explains she doesn't say much. She's like her father. Her mind is scattered past and present and future. Sometimes she doesn't even know that she is her mother. But she reports, Polly does, that Enoch has been very helpful. And Robin uh, is told here, Fitz has brought breakfast, that, uh, you know, he wants to know why he's not with his friends. And she produces a picture there with two black suited figures standing outside of two tiny ones. Two tiny ones who have dark hair with stabby, I don't know if it was the X eyes of death, but stabby death implied to a to a brunette pete hold on may's hair color black uh uh daisy's hair color black yo-yo's hair color brown pete did they just spoil for me that there's sadness ahead i hope not um but that prediction from the seer aside here uh they're still 70 years away and they can't help um, Enoch explains the circumstances under which he came to Earth in a small capsule there, which is now, Matt, at the Blue Raven Ridge. Where's that? At first, I thought they were going to say, have you heard of Area 51? Right. I came God in 1946. Thank God they didn't do that. I was like, oh, trope alert. Yeah. Instead, it's uh, it's at the military base that uh, that Hunter broke Lance out of. Um, so they're gonna they're gonna try and break back in. Uh, they uh, they climb on into uh, to a box truck, Rusty's repair. They say to the guards that they are there to fix a wall. Their IDs are they gonna work? Won't they work? Will they work? They work. Um, did you catch the names they used, particularly uh, Nick Blood with his I am an American accent? Hey, y'all, we're going to charge the government rates. <laughs> it's almost like this building opportunity is just a, a thing for you know builders to be you know filling their pockets by fleecing the government. But, but the uh, names, Matt, did you catch them? Pete, lay those names down on me. They came fast, they came furious, they came funny. Rusty Peltzer and Jeffrey Futterman, do these names at all sound familiar? Uh, they don't, so I'm going to guess maybe it's a Breaking Bad thing? No. No. Um, Peltzer is a last name used by the inventor in the Gremlins. And Mr. Futterman is the surly old man in the gremlins the first names are different but the last names are definitely connected to that work which i found pretty interesting so can we preliminarily report that the gremlins are part of the mcu at this point i think anything's on the table their names their ids get them in they take out oblong boxes that almost look like uh like rocket launchers but no no there's no turning back release the ferrets um which, Pete, have we ever said the phrase Chekhov's ferrets? Because it turns out that's what they were. They were Chekhov's ferrets here. There's a 1098, Matt. Repeat, a 1098. The distraction created here gives them the opportunity to find the crate that they open with the capsule. It has a touch screen. That's going to get them there, uh, or at least fits. 
But they don't need a truck, Matt, because on the other side of this massive warehouse is the Zephyr One as we head into the act break. We come back from that act break, Pete. They're on Zephyr One. It's like old times. It's like old sets. So again, saving some money. Uh, Hunter says, listen, buddy, it'll all be better when you're all together again. Oh, yeah, even though the odds are extremely against you. The army arrives, and Pete, who has learned how to shoot? It's Fitz. He's letting those stunner bullets fly, and uh, he's a boss now. Not the boss of Hunter. He's just a boss. He sends Hunter up front to prep for leaving, and the Z1 rise, rise, rise. It does. It cloaks, and it leaves. Great use of the special effects again in this episode. We haven't had a ton of the Mark Kolpak special effects. And again, our, you know, surmise that uh, the, the budget is, uh, is, is wearing a little bit on the show. But we're no worse for wear in this episode as we get that great shot of the Zephyr One uh, twisting and, and cloaking there to establish us. We, of course, see that there's a, uh, there's a pound of flesh that must be paid Ty, Guy, and Evans called before their boss. They've let it down. Time to let them go. Boom. She shoots both of them in the head, Pete, and then calls for a cleaning clue, a crew. And he thinks that this might be a clue that not all is copacetic at this base. Back at the lighthouse, we've got the shotgun axe. Uh, Polly asks how they're going to get fits to the future. Turns out this capsule is a cryo-freezing chamber. Um, he's got to sleep 70 years. There's a Chronicom vessel earlier sighted by Enoch that will pick him up. He writes that postcard we've seen before that he's working on it, signed Fitz. Um, and Hunter is going to look after those two, that being Polly and Robin. Bobby could use a cause, you know, while she's on the Starship Orville. Uh, maybe involving time travel, coming back and take care of that. Um, and Enoch is thankful as well for Lance Hunter. Uh, I, I, around this time, worried, oh no, is this all we're going to get for Hunter? And we can discuss that in our level seven segment. But the idea that Fitz is going to enter this cryopreserver, he's going to take the long way of uh, of. of time travel it's going to be protected by that aforementioned alien ship uh which uh which the cryopod will end up on and um and uh, we get the goodbye for hunter they hug fitz is in the freezer and pete we get the star wars call back here hunter saying i love you fitz i know it was and great then fitz with his eyes open gets frozen act end fitz awakens eyes closed Someone messed up in continuity. <laughs> no, Matt, they close while you're sleeping in cryo sleep over seventy four years. But uh, I spent I spent years. all of all of Christmas break coming up with my eye open eye closed theory, which involves which involved cloak and dagger as as a starting point, and now they blew it all up. This is not fair. It's not, but uh, they are 74 years in the future here. He wakes, of course, to Enoch 
while he was sleeping, a plan was put in motion. He gives him the mask. They have a few days, but he needs to be ready to face off with some of the worst that the universe has to offer. And of course, for Simmons, Fitz is up to the challenge. Pete, he will be battling mobsters, monsters, and mercenaries, which is perhaps the best use of alliteration ever by Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys, Matt. All thing considered, really only one bad guy in this episode, and that, of course, is the character of Hale. Uh, yes, she's the primary reason that Fitz is jailed. She shows him no sympathy. Uh, she's prepared to take away some of the basic humanity, uh, you know, humanitarian things that he has, pencil, paper, books, uh, merely to let him rot. The It's more than implied, but less than hammered home uh, perfectly that this is kind of revenge for Talbot. Uh, regardless, though, um, yeah, it is the, the piece de resistance of her being a baddie is when she shoots the two well-meaning, uh, well-meaning yet humane uh, uh, captors in, in Ty Guy and Evans. Definitely did not see it coming and really interested to see who this character might be. We have some theories Matt will talk about. I certainly would agree that that is it. I mean, everybody else is helping the Fitz cause here. Um, heck, Pete, Fitz is icing people. There's blue smoke coming out of it. Fitz kills nary a person. Um, Enoch is there to help. So with that, Pete, let's roll on into the next segment. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. Matt, who is Hale? I texted it to you mid-episode. I thought I had missed the opportunity, uh, as I thought the reveal was about to happen. Pete, I think she's an alien lady going head-to-head alien with uh, with Enoch and others of his ilk. I think that's a, a very good prediction. Is she someone we've met, or is this somebody completely unrelated to this story uh, in the future at the lighthouse at this point? I'm going to... I'm going to bet that it is somebody who, in the proper chronological order, we have yet to meet. Now, if you were trying to hint that maybe she's somebody in the future, um, that'll take a separate bit of ponderification. Um, But I don't think she's a returning character in different guys. How about the discussion of Bobby, obviously Adrian Palicki doesn't appear in this episode because of her contractual obligation with the Orville. But Matt, now that the Orville has wrapped filming season one, they've been renewed for season two. There's this gap between when they'll pick back up. Could we see her pop up with Hunter somehow, some way will Hunter flash into the future as well wow there are two questions in there pete uh first is will we see bobby again and my scant understanding of uh a series regular contract in hollywood is that you're a series regular all year round whether they're filming you know filming or not um so i think that then the 
traditional second part of those contracts, which is you have one guest star opportunity per season outside your show. Um, maybe that lets her come back. I don't think. I don't think that they're going to say, "Hey, we're done filming. Uh, we don't start filming again until June." Shield's going to wrap filming end of April. Sure, go go and be a recurring character on there for six or seven episodes. I think that's just a contractual no-go. Um, as for Hunter in the future, boy, do I hope so. I was so heartbroken at a at a certain point in this episode where it was clear Hunter wasn't moving on. And it was like, don't let this be a one-episode thing. Let him pop back. They wouldn't have made so big a deal if he was coming back for one episode, right? Like, am I the only one not thinking that? I think how you market it is different than how you write it. And maybe, you know, regardless of how busy his schedule might be in the UK, maybe you write this. Maybe part of it is, hey, we know we're going to do four episodes in one set. So this is the opportunity to really, you know, if people are getting a little bored with the brown walls in the brown place, um, this is a chance to really kick things into high gear and really deliver on that high octane Marvel promise. But bottom line is give me more Nick blood. Let's check the wire. Pete, we ran a poll right at this episode ended. How did you like tonight's agents of shield vote, reply and retweet your choices. Four stars, love it to the moon and back three stars back on track two stars kind of icy one star once upon a time tonight was really odd and uh pete the the winner overwhelmingly 87 percent of the votes calling this a four star episode eight percent saying three and five percent saying one uh so huge reaction on this episode we had some tweets from some old uh favorites here uh from carlito lee that's at television or where the it's it's V I Z I O N. I'm ready to see how they show Flint's powers in two weeks, and I'm wondering what species that government chick was. Don't think she's human, and got a feeling she's going to pop back up. Uh, we also heard from our pal Mary Kirk. I love the ride the show takes me on, and I continue to love the character development on this show, which I think is an excellent point all about the characters even in episodes where maybe there's a little less budget or not as big a cast whatever last tweet is from uh, our pal donna at crescent moon 621 tonight was a fun episode i love how hashtag it's all connected to itself <laughs> we head to facebook matt where robert t frost writes in aos episode 504 hello matt and pete i felt just okay with this episode not great not bad just okay but of course i have a few thoughts the Cree took daisy's blood to use in fertilization experiments to produce more in humans i wonder if they will detect any of the gh325 a Cree blood derivative that was used to heal daisy way back in season one if not daisy maybe colson as he also had been given GH325. Rhodium. It is a noble metal, non-corrosive, and a member of the platinum family. It is one of the rarest and most valuable precious metals. That was the metal that was mentioned during the uh, episode last week. Um, 
I like the sly hidden joke Deke says during the show. He tells May and Coulson, welcome to to level 35. A direct callback to season one, episode one, when Coulson says to Ward, welcome to level seven. This might be a stretch, but it's also a simple math joke. Welcome to level seven times season five, level 35. Lastly, why does everyone, including Lady Basha, call Quake the destroyer of worlds? Worlds, plural. Is it just a title or has Daisy ruined more than just Earth? Till next time, your friend, Bob. Bob, always sharing great thoughts there. Um, either it is a writerly mistake that they have yet to fix, which I doubt. Side note, I'm reminded of uh, Lord of the Rings. The Black Gate was the Black Gates so they, because of a typo, so they built two. And it was supposed to be one or something like that. So typos are possible, but... They've had ample time to fix that. And uh, bottom line is this. I think it is proof of the hyperbole of Destroyer of Worlds when it was just, all right, she allegedly blew up part of a planet. Well, Matt, you know who keeps our planet together on Fantastic Geek would be the good people who contribute to Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. Absolutely right, Pete. Whether it is the past, the present, or the future, you can hear all of them at once, our old podcasts. You can hear our current podcasts. Indeed, Pete, our patrons have been getting some early podcasts, so there is your future. And uh, we appreciate so much that we continue to be listener-supported, particularly this time of year, so another opportunity for us to say thank you. Absolutely. We know a lot of people have uh, a lot of commitments in different directions and that you would even consider uh, contributing to Fantastic Geek. We are super uh, excited that we are listener-supported and uh, every decision we make is with you in mind. However, the best treat of all is free. That's the treat of Pete. Pete, how can people be in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R 9,725 followers. Can't be wrong. Well, I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, okay? But you can be in touch with the podcast in a whole host of ways. Visit FantasticGeek.com, email FantasticGeek at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. Matt, we are up significantly in terms of uh, likes on Facebook. I was a guest this past week on a Facebook Live uh, with another uh, podcast slash uh, outfit to talk uh, Star Wars, and people have really jumped on there. So you want to be over there, catch everything we're doing. That's the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's the Punisher, which we'll be finishing up on Sunday. That's Runaways, which continues Tuesday. We got it all, even Star Wars The Last Jedi, so uh, lots for you to check out. And, and I think there might be another present or two under the tree for our listeners the next couple days. We are working on a goodie or two, so always keep your ear to the ground. If you're listening to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. feed, 
the goodie might not be there, Pete. It might just be Pop Culture Podcast and FantasticGeek.com only. We'll have to discuss off air, but a little little hint there to, to always be checking the mothership of our own, which is the Pop Culture Podcast. With that, Pete, oh man, getting ready for this long winter break of No Shield next week, week back the following week. I'm going to say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. I need a cleaning crew. <laughs> <laughs>